Hi everybody, I'm Joseph Walter and this is Loving Theology. So this is the last in our series on his love and suffering. This week I want to take a look at a new character uh, from the New Testament. Let me just read you this account so you can see what he had to go through. This is from 2 Corinthians 11 starting in verse 24. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in dangers from river, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Whenever I read that account, it's hard to imagine anyone who has more credibility on the topic of suffering. Not that that's necessarily something you want to be an expert in. I think that, nevertheless, he was an expert in it. So um, he's the perfect person to study for the end of our series here because if he's the expert on suffering, then what was his perspective on suffering? How did he endure the suffering that he went through? And how can that maybe help us to endure the suffering that we've been through? Perhaps the most well-known example of Paul's suffering is in the very next chapter. In 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about the thorn in the flesh that he had. Now, as he experienced this suffering, he prayed to God, and it says that he prayed to him three times, and he said, God, please take this away from me. God's answer essentially was, I'm not going to take it away from you, but I will be with you in it, and I'll strengthen you in the midst of it. In that, I think that we see exactly what we saw in the first post, which is that God doesn't always prevent suffering in our lives, doesn't always take that suffering away from us, but he does always sit with us in it, that he does always comfort us in it, that he does always strengthen us in it. But that still leaves us with the question of what was God's plan for Paul? Why didn't he take that suffering away? Paul basically explains that this suffering was given to him to keep him from becoming conceited. As a result of his suffering, just a couple verses later, he says this, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think this suffering made him aware of his own weakness. And that, that's something that I can identify with. I think that whenever I go through suffering, I also feel confronted with my own weakness. He didn't have the power to affect change. In other words, he realized that God's power was the only one that could affect change. So he had to rely on God's power in order to be productive, in order to be effective. Now I want to do the counterfactual with you. Let's pretend for a minute that Paul didn't rely on God's power and that instead he chose to rely on his own power. Do you think that we would know who Paul was if God's power hadn't made Paul's work effective? Do you think that Paul would have the legacy that he has today? The way that we respect and admire Paul is appropriate. But I don't think any of that would have happened if it wasn't for God's power on Paul's efforts. God's blessing of his power on Paul's efforts made Paul successful to the point that he has a legacy today. God's gift to Paul was his legacy. And we saw in this verse that it was Paul's suffering that taught him to rely on God's power to accept his own weakness. So in other words, the suffering that Paul faced enabled him to receive the legacy that God wanted to give him. So if you gave Paul the choice between these two options, maybe he could have had a life free of suffering, but therefore free of the weakness that produced God's power in his efforts. Or he could have had the legacy, but he would have had to endure the suffering in order to be prepared to receive that legacy. Which one do you think he would have chosen? I think that for the benefit of his legacy, and for our sake as well, and the benefit that that legacy produced in us, and for the glory of God that it produced, I think Paul would have hands down chosen 
his legacy, even though it meant the suffering that he endured. As a matter of fact, he says as much in 2 Corinthians 4. It is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. See, Paul knew the legacy that his suffering was producing. To put it simply, he understood that his hardship produced in him what was necessary to receive the legacy that God wanted to give him. The same is true for us. Our hardships produce in us what is required for the legacy that God desires to give to us. And I think it's because Paul understood this so deeply that he had a rather unusual perspective on suffering. He rejoiced in it. And while it sounds a little crazy at first, Paul spells it out for us in Romans 5. Starting in verse 3, he says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. In just those few verses, we see the same pattern outlined, where our suffering produces in us the character that we need to be able to receive the gift of the legacy that God has for us, to have hope, basically, in the legacy that God has for us. And that word hope, I think, is the critical piece that enabled his perspective on suffering, that enabled him to rejoice in suffering. And here's how I would describe that. From our current vantage point, standing right where we are, just looking around us, the notion of rejoicing in suffering is quite literally insane. That if that's really your perspective, that if you are laughing and happy whenever you're going through hardship and you're loving it, you probably need to talk to somebody. But if you change our vantage point, if you change our perspective, then what happens? As an example to this, let's take a break from the story of Paul. Let's look at the example of Joseph in the Old Testament. Now we know his story that later, eventually his imprisonment would lead to the fact that he became the ruler over all of Egypt and that he saved the people of Israel from a famine. But imagine with me for a moment that you're Joseph in prison, that even though that you endured hardship, that you were enslaved, you trust God, you still did your best to do things right. And still you got put in prison. It would be pretty disheartening but if we could sit down with Joseph whenever he was in prison, wouldn't you encourage him? Hey, Joseph, I know it looks bad right now, but it's gonna be worth it, that this is gonna produce good in you. Hey, trust us, something good is coming. I think, he, I think that would have instilled hope in him, that he would have said, this is, this is worth it, I can do this, that I can endure this suffering because it's gonna produce something pretty good. Because of the excitement and the hope that he had about what was going to happen, I think he would have been whistling whenever he was down in prison. Now, the reality, of course, is that in our own suffering, we can't see our suffering through the lens of eternity. We don't even have the benefit of history like we have with Joseph's story or with Paul's story. So how can we find hope in the midst of that? I think that actually that is precisely the moment that hope is meant to shine. Romans 8, 24 and 25 explains it this way. Hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I've heard it said that hope is the present enjoyment of future blessing. I think that the future blessing of the suffering that we're enduring is the character that it's going to produce in us and ultimately the legacy that it's going to enable us to receive. So whenever we hope in the character and the legacy that suffering is producing in us, then we're able to experience the joy of that legacy here and now. Hope is the mechanism or the bridge that allows us to change our vantage point from our current situation and what we can see around us to the perspective of eternity and what we can't see today, but what we know will be true. We have the promise in scripture that suffering produces good in us, that it produces good in us eternally by preparing us 
for the legacy that God desires to give us. And whenever we put our hope in that, we can do something crazy. We can find joy even in the midst of suffering. So I hope that this series can be a source of comfort and hope in the midst of difficult times. After writing this series, I came across a passage also in 2 Corinthians that I think really summarizes this series well. We were under great pressure far beyond our own ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from a, such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. In all of this series, I want you to see this. Whenever you're going through suffering, know that you're not alone. Know that God is right next to you, that he is longing to comfort you, that he is longing to strengthen you in it. Be encouraged that God has a plan, that he is working to relieve, to redeem, and to rescue you out of that suffering, like we talked about in the second post. Embrace that suffering with patience, just like Jesus did, knowing the good that it produces in us and for others, both presently and eternally. And from this week, I want you to have hope. Have hope in the legacy that God is working for you in the midst of it. Rejoice in that hope and rejoice in the love of God, a love that he makes known to us both in and even through our suffering. Thanks again for joining us today.